Hello, everybody. Welcome to East West Draft Cast. Today, it is me, Jeff, one of your hosts. Uh, again, Craig, not able to make it, unfortunately. He's got, uh, you know, important football things happening, mostly meaning he's at a game. But uh, he's he'll be back next time for sure. I actually might not be here, but he'll be here. And uh, like I said last time, we're going to be trying to get a more weekly podcast schedule going for you guys. Uh, and that that tends to mean that uh, sometimes it won't be both of us. So sorry about all the Jeff and no Greg for <laughs> however long this has been. But um, it's me, and but I do have a fill-in. Uh, our other co-host today, or guest, as he wants himself to be called, because he's, he's, this is his first podcast. That sounds good. Uh, that is the voice of Mr. John Lollamond. He is uh, an awesome Santa Cruz Magic player and uh, a great all-around guy. How, how's it going, John? Oh, it's going pretty good. Happy to be here. This is great. Awesome. Um, so yeah, this is, uh... John's first time on the cast, for those of you regular listeners out there. Uh, we've talked about him plenty. <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah, so you're finally getting a taste of John. And John, ha- um, last weekend or two weekends ago, man, I'm, I'm already lo- losing time. No, it, it was last weekend. It was last weekend. Um, last weekend, uh, John was uh, Greg's co-pilot over at... Um, Oklahoma. So uh, I wanted to talk to you, John, about about how the GP went for you and how Oklahoma was, and uh, yeah, everything everything you thought about the uh, the pre the or not pre release, but the sealed format and things like that. Yeah, sealed Theros, very exciting. So how'd you, uh, how'd you do? Uh, I dropped after the eighth round, so I made it to round number eight, which is a long day of magic, but uh, yes, five, two, is. and one. Yeah. Yeah. That, but we each had a that was round record. one bye, so that was a nice break. That's the same record you had at Vegas, right? I think it was, yeah. Because yeah. I think we had the same record. It was just so close to day two, always so close. I I just have one day two under my belt, and that was a a, a modern format, so. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting one. I know, just playing a dumb mono red deck and i got to day two but uh my my heart is with limited and sealed so yeah so uh what did you end up playing oh um let's see my deck had two of the fleece main lions and the god of the sun so you may know that uh i kind of have a soft spot for rare and mythic cards (laughs) yes (laughs) yes you do so I just had to go for it, and uh, it was a lot of fun dropping a turn two lion and then making it a monster a couple turns later or three turns later is definitely the way to go. Yeah, that that lion is pretty brutal. Um, how, so uh, did you get to turn on your god very often? Was that common? Um, no? I I it wasn't common. I think once or twice during the day, and then you know when he's turned on it. It's pretty ridiculous that you can't really get rid of those guys. Yeah, they're monsters. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah, I had I had him in a draft. I did, and he was pretty unreal. Yeah, they're they're uh, those gods are when you can when you can get them turned on, they are pretty unstoppable. Well, I love the flavor behind the devotion mechanic, where you know they become sentient beings and and all powerful when there's enough devotion on the board. And then you pick off a couple of their devotion creatures or permanents, and then all of a sudden they they magically disappear. Yeah. As far as being a as far as being a um an attacker on the board, so that that's pretty cool to me. Yeah, the flavor of the set is is pretty great. I mean the the whole like bestowing things with like yeah I, I don't know I I that gets me that gets me in the soft spot where it's like very greek myth type oh yeah gods like taking the the form of like animals and stuff to help people out and stuff like that's interesting um so uh you um you did not day two so what did you do on day two 
I drafted. I did side events, and it was a $15 draft for three packs, obviously. And I went a uh, monumental zero and four. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is about this set. It's like you think you build a decent deck, and it, and and then the guy across the table has a better deck than you or more powerful cards. Um, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I've been I've been getting a lot of round one losses online and i can't really figure out what's happening it's like a very every time i'm like yeah this tech feels really good and it even plays out pretty good but theirs does too and it's just Mm -hmm. it's always an an uphill battle in this set that it's like it's very swingy and very easy to to swingy is the perfect word yeah i'll I'll, uh i'll go game for game with them um so you know my deck does show some life and then just comes up short every time. It could be on a, a swing for exacties, you know, and he, they get me right down to the last point of life or, um, or you have mana trouble and it's like, ah, what, what can you do? Yeah. And it, and it feels like this set more than any, um, like a flood is really bad because it's true. When, when you get, to the point of like the the end game and you guys are kind of trading haymakers, you know, mm-hmm. the first person to stumble is, tends to be the loser. There, there is uh, so much potential for the haymaker. Like you mentioned, putting down a, uh, a turn one hoplite and then just enchanting the heck out of it. Yeah. It gets ridiculous really fast. You could have a four or five on turn three swing in. It's like, where did that come from? Yeah, totally. Well, make, uh, uh, moving on from what you were just saying, I think we should move into our main topic here. Okay. Um, cause we were gonna, we wanted to talk today about the archetypes of Theros and kind of what, what each one's trying to do and maybe some of the cards that, um, are maybe the, the crux of the archetype are really important or, you know, make, make it tick. And uh, you just mentioned one, <laughs> the hoplite. Um, so I think we'll, we could start off by talking about uh, a little heroic deck. And yes. um, the, there's a couple different heroic decks you can build. Uh, and I would say that they're kind of different archetypes. Each one is different. Um, but uh, I know you had one that you wanted to mention that you wrote mm-hmm. down, John. Um, so go ahead. Sure. Yeah. That's uh blue, white heroic. And, uh, it's just, it gets crazy when you drop little dudes and then you just make them more powerful each turn and they're, they're turning into swing into these, these big guys. Um, I like the wing steed on that one. Oh yeah. Big time. Um, and I like the hop lights, uh, for, for these colors, it's the Battlewise Hoplite, the multicolored guy, and obviously the favored Hoplite that's just one white. Right. So he gets out there, turn one, and then, uh, you know, if you've, just, if you've got a handful of gas in your opening seven, that guy can go all the way. Yeah, and I think uh, the Battlewise is really kind of why this is a blue-white deck, is because that guy... Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he's a blue-white card, obviously. So, so he's... One of those things where uh, it, it's kind of jamming the archetype down your throat a bit, uh, and he is uncommon, so it's not like you see him often. But if you're the only blue-white player at the table, chances are you're, you're going to be the one who gets it in your pile. I think another reason why it's a successful archetype is the lack of decent removal, and I know you've mentioned that a number of times in past podcasts, but it's worth repeating. Yeah. If you if you build a powerful creature there's a good chance it's going to go all the way and not get taken out, you know? Right. Yeah. And I would say that, um, we mentioned this in the last podcast as well, but, but for this deck, especially, uh, one of the most important cards is the ordeals. Yeah. And specifically with the blue white deck, the blue ordeal is tends to be better than the white one for me. Get some free cards. Yeah. yeah. And, and especially with the hoplites, it triggers even faster. You get those extra cards right away, and, and 
you just bury them in, in card advantage and giant monsters <laughs> that that are on the battlefield super early. So, right, right. And I should have uh, given a disclaimer before I came on, or, or as I came on, I will mispronounce all kinds of cards. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to also mention there's the aqueous form. I think I said that right. Yeah, um, that's right. N- not a normal word you use day to day, but in Magic, it's uh, it's here to stay. Let me tell you, <laughs> that card after you get an ordeal on and you were pumping your hoplites, uh, yeah, make it unblockable. That's pretty good too. Yeah, I, so that's an interesting one where it's it's very um, poor in other blue decks, like the more controlish ones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where the ones where you're trying to make a giant monster early. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing you want to do is is uh, turn it into an unblockable monster that also gets you card advantage every time it attacks. Or card selection, I guess, not advantage. But that's So true, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's an interesting card that I've seen work to really good effect and really poor effect at the same time. And it, it just all depends on how you're building your deck and how... Um, yeah, I mean, the heroic makes it much better obviously you get the trigger off when you target and things like that so so it's kind of tailor-made for the blue white heroic deck in my opinion Mm -hmm. i agree yeah yeah and then the other cards in this deck that i think are really the uh the super important cards are um the the bestow the common bestow guys in blue and white both of them um the blue one probably tends to be better Given your guy evasion, it's pretty nice. Yes. But uh, I have to say, with the white one, building your own giant Sarah Angel with the Wingsteed Rider, <laughs> I've done that multiple times already, and that feels really good. It's a good feeling, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the exact type of thing you want to be doing in this deck. So, And, and that tends to be the higher spot on your curve, because this is a low, um, you know, a, a, has a low curve. Where that's right. Most yeah. of the other decks don't. Um, the other thing that this deck has that the other heroic deck doesn't is the blue bounce spells, which are huge. I mean, yeah, they're just like removal in this set. Absolutely. Yeah, and they're they're better than a lot of the removal because they don't cost five mana. Yeah, you get you know one for two or one for four, and Griptide is is puts them way yeah. back. That just yeah, it takes care of the tempo. Yeah. That's what they draw the next turn, so they're not seeing anything new. Definitely yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, it is important to to say that those cards are also really good against this deck. So uh, try to snatch them up if you, yeah, if really. you play in the deck, because you don't want to play against them. Getting your your hoplite bounce after it's had three counters put on it is kind of kind of a bummer. <laughs> I've made a few opponents cry once they get a big monster yeah. going, and it just bounces away. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the other the other heroic deck uh, is the more obvious one in that there's more heroic stuff happening in red white, but I I tend to think it is definitely the weaker of the two. That is interesting. Yeah. I I see a downgrade from battle wise to the Acrorian. Yeah. Aquarian? Yeah, the other hoplite. Yeah, he's not heroic, but he does like multiple creatures on the board. That's true. And and he's good. I I've I've enjoyed playing with that guy, but um the 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 big thing is that you're trading like the, you know, the 1/4 heroic uh blue guy that taps things down. Wave Crasher. Yeah, he he's great and the one you get in red is the one one that makes more one ones. And yes, the soldier. Yeah, right. and he tends to be on the mediocre side because the the bonus that he gives you, the extra one one, is okay. But it you'd rather have something that's either making the one guy better or like the the uh, wave crasher can do. He can just mm-hmm. t- take down your opponent's you know, scary monsters yeah. themselves. Because every, everybody has scary monsters in this set. That tends to be the case. So, yes. So if you could be the one who's tapping them down. And tapping is huge because in this set, there's, like, all the removal is is generally targeted kill and not 
like uh, claustrophobia type effect. Oh, interesting. So, right. and and that really matters because of all the bestow. Like you kill something and it leaves something behind. With the wave crasher, you could tap something down and it's you know it's tapped for essentially two attack steps, mm-hmm. and it does not leave anything behind. It's everything on it is tapped along with it. So, yeah, that, that's a great thing. Yeah. So the red you can just. Yeah, yeah you, I was just going to say you can ignore that uh, thread on the other side of the battlefield for a turn or two, and it makes you be able to get in for sure. Totally. And so the red, the the stuff that it tends to add to this deck uh, isn't so much along the same like heroic lines that that blue is does fairly well. It's more with the you know like the lightning strike. Or just the efficient removal or aggressive cards, you know. Yeah, the act of treason card, uh, yeah. portent of betrayal. Yeah, that's. I've died to that plenty of times. Yeah. That one's pretty nice. Um, you also have the red ordeal, which is definitely the best ordeal. Yeah, I was gonna say it's the best one hands down. Yeah, so that's that's a nice bonus you get from the red, but. But overall, I think if I'm going heroic, I'd probably want to stick with the blue white. Um, now another archetype, blue, and you can have all three hoplites. That just gets me excited. <laughs> what did you say? Sorry, I, I, you cut out for a sec. You can have all three hoplites with the white blue battle wise, the red white aquarian, and favored in the same deck. Yeah, you have to have. Pretty good mana, though. To or Man, fix this it. is true. This is true. <laughs> to, to but what, what a great story to say you you destroyed your opponents with an army of hoplites. That's true. That's true. Um, but uh, moving on from that archetype, um, another one that I believe John has written down is the red black deck. Aggro, yes. Yeah. So what's the crux of this deck? Well, the crux of this deck is making that um, stupid minotaur that attacks every turn actually into an awesome creature. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I looked at this and I was like, okay, 2-3, it's got a body, it can regenerate, it's cheap, but, you know, it's attacking every turn. And it's like, oh, wait a second, there's a deck that likes that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that card is really important because in a regular, like in a non-aggressive deck, it's really weak. You know, because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like it, it might get two damage in, but then it's either going to just be blocked easily by like a one three or a one four, right? Or, or it'll be blocked by like a three three, and you're gonna have to either decide to waste your turn because it's three to regenerate. It's a lot. It is steep, yeah. So you have to decide to waste to regenerate for a guy that really isn't doing much for you anyway, or just let it die, kind of like the old uh, blood craze neonate from from Innistrad, but... Oh, yeah. Um, I think this one's definitely better than that Neonate was because of a little guy called Kragma Warcaller. And this is the, the Minotaur Lord that's a red-black card. And he makes all your Minotaurs hasty and gives them plus two, plus oh. And... That's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, especially with these like cheap two mana two three guys, you know, you drop your giant Minotaur Lord, and all of a sudden, all your little wiener guys are mm-hmm. coming in for huge <laughs> amounts. Um, yeah, it helps the uh, <clears throat> Skull Cleaver as well. He'll oh swing yeah. In, swing in for four, and then he's just a two two. But uh, yeah, with a War Caller, it makes it yeah very sweet. Yeah, the Skull Cleaver. Now he's he's great um, on his own. Also, I mean, he doesn't really need the War Collar to be good. Uh, reminds me a lot. Obviously, it's very similar to the um, what was it called? The one in Dragon's Maze that's a red white. Uh, yeah, it was a lizard guy. What yeah. was his name? He was. I don't know what you're talking about. Vaishino First Blade. That's the name of him. And excellent. Yeah, he. He came in and got plus two, plus two, and had haste, and was a two-two. So you get a little more in the butt with that guy. Um, but it essentially does the same thing, really. And uh, that one, that guy was a first pick in uh, back in 
those those days when we drafted that set. So yeah, yeah, it I'm, seems like so long ago. <laughs> oh, it really does. Um, but yeah, but he was. I mean, if you wanted to go Boros, he was definitely a a high pick. So this, you know, the Skull Cleaver, he's he's doing the same amount of work. And uh, yeah, it's been nice. Uh, I actually drafted a deck with six Skull Cleavers. What? <laughs> But uh, it actually didn't turn out well because, uh, oh. yeah. <laughs> they had some defense for you. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, I think with uh, as with any aggro deck, you want to play the curve. Mm-hmm. You definitely want to have uh, a lot of two, three drops just getting in there. Mm-hmm. And, and then try to win by turn seven, everybody. Yeah. Make sure to get it done fast because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll, they'll start, they'll start put, playing some giant things. Uh and you won't be able to handle them. Um, now, the black in this deck, I would say, is mostly for the Warcaller. Um, but black also has some nice tricks uh, with, like, although it's fairly expensive, the Lash the Whip is the better five-mana removal spell. Um, Agreed. Yeah, removal's removal, and it's it's so rare. Well... It's uh, it's, it's not abundant, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you get that. Um, you get the other Minotaur, two, three. Yeah, yeah. Fellhide. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there's a lot of. I think the deck is tends to be heavy red, so uh, the black is more of a secondary kind of thing. But but uh, this deck is. Pretty straightforward and pretty powerful. Um, I feel like I've seen a lot of drafts won by by Minotaurs. They they tend to do a lot of work. Yeah, and you know it, it might be worth saying a few words about how do you play against that deck. I mean, I uh, tend to draft um, more of a controller style, and so I like to get to the mid game and then finish off with some big guys at the end. But you know, as soon as you see a <laughs> A couple mountains on the other side. It's like, here we go. They're gonna come out fast. Yeah. And, uh, it you know you have to mount a defense for that. For sure. Um, actually, a card that I completely glossed over when we talked about the white heroic decks. I can't believe I forgot about it because I've Uh-oh. been so impressed by it. Is the white uh, Idolin the? It's the one one that gives that has lifelink and has bestow. That's how you pronounce it, Idolin. Okay, good. That is how you pronounce it. I, the, hope, the hopeful Idolin. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and it is uh, super important for matches like this, for the red-black matchup. I mean, they're going to be maybe slightly faster than you, but the second you suit up your your big heroic guy with your Idolin, it's you know you're you're getting like ten ten point life swing, gaining five yeah. life, dealing five damage, and and they can't keep up with that. And yeah, you're you're definitely buying time when you can get him enchanted on a creature because uh, he comes right back after that creature dies. So. Yeah, and there's a lot of life gain in this set, and I think that that really is the key um, to beating some of these archetypes, the especially the faster ones. When you can gain enough life to to extend the game a few extra turns, it tends to mean that you're getting your important stuff onto the board and able to stabilize. I know that I've stabilized at like four life against these types of decks. And once you stabilize, like they are, their decks are so weak compared to yours that, yeah. that like four life was enough for me to, you know, to get there. So, um, gaining life is very important. And the Idolin I think is the best way to do it. Uh, it tends to be the most consistent, I've actually splashed for that card. Wow! Because the de- the deck I was playing, I think it was a green blue deck, maybe or green red. I can't remember exactly, but um, but it had no life gain, and I really feared because it, it was a fairly slow deck, you know. And I really feared the fast decks, and so I just splashed that that guy in there, and and it came up and and it did the trick. Ended yeah. up being really important. So. Um, there's other ways to gain life. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the Battle Priest in white is a common. Yeah. And that's a 1-3, so it gives a little defense and then gains two life whenever you target it. Right, right, yeah. So that guy can, uh, you can board that, that one in when you're up against the, 
the Minotaur Menace. Yeah. Or uh, there's obviously we're going to talk about Black in a second, but uh, the Gray Merchant gains a life, and that's a big one. Uh, gray Merchant. Now, does he sell gray or is he is he colored gray? That's the question. What would you sell gray? What is gray? I don't. Well, maybe it's a slang term for some new drug. I don't know about. Uh, I don't know. I assumed that he was gray, but you know, I don't pay much attention to the pictures. <laughs> so he does look gray. No, I can all verify. Right, yeah, all right, I got it. All right, that there it is. I'm gonna say it's it's he's gray. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there's other ways to gain life. That's one of them. Um, the centaur that uh, the white one that if you have an enchantment, you gain three. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that that actually comes up quite a bit. Um, and. You know. I played a game where uh, my opponent played him, gained three life. You know, the whole point of the game is to get them to zero, so it's a little frustrating. And then he bounced it and brought it back in again, so he gained six off of that guy. Right, right. yeah. And I've had a deck with a few of them and been able to gain six just off playing multiples. And that definitely buys you tons of time and just very, very nice. Yes. Uh, same with the uh, time to feed Gains you three life, although the time to feed is maybe a little slower. Like, you have to have something in play. Um, but, of, yeah. of course, it is a kill spell, so you're not going to That's how I view it. Yeah. yeah, it's removal for green. I think the, the three life is gravy at that point. Exactly, but yeah. That could keep you in the game, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but paying attention to having some life gain in your deck, I think, is pretty important, especially if you're on the slower side. Um, and if you... If you don't have any and your deck is slow, you know, I think that you're you're probably just going to lose to the aggro deck. Maybe you'll get lucky, you won't play one, but if you do, it's going to be a tough battle. Yeah, they are out there. I think it's a, a viable uh, archetype. People are, they like their speed decks, you know? Right, right. Certain players, they just want to hit the ground running, and there's plenty of cards in the set for that. Right. Um, And uh, some other... Decks that are kind of, uh, they're not quite at the speed of Black Red, but I wanted to talk about them, um, are the, like, kind of tempo decks, um, and I call them tempo because they really rely on bounce spells, so they're, they're blue decks. Um, mm. Blue-green and blue-red are both of the two tempo decks that, um, that can actually kill your opponent pretty pretty fast uh not quite as fast but they also can disrupt so uh so they tend to to be pretty pretty good um been really impressed with the blue green deck um especially because the, the like with the the tempo aspect of it the the wave crash guy um mm-hmm. tapping down their stuff uh and all of the the great uh, you know, oh man, what is that called? There's the the flash enchantment that gives plus two plus two. Oh yeah, right. Um, Pharaoh invocation. Yeah, and then there's the uh, the ch- the cheaper bestow guy, the one that only costs four to bestow. Um, those are really great to throw on something like a wave crash triton, and uh, and you'll. Le- it was Leaf Crown Dryad. Yeah. yeah it's, and it's got reach for a bonus. Yep, yep. And people forget about that reach. <laughs> Let me tell you. Oh, I'm I'm king of forgetting reach, yeah. <laughs> the um, uh, the Nessian Asp has reach, and it took yeah. me a few games to figure that out. <laughs> That's a big one, yeah. <laughs> He's um, jumping out of a tree. Okay, now I see it. Yeah. Um, the other thing that the green deck can do is it can play a turn two Seder and get ahead on mana, which is pretty huge in this set. Yes, it is. It's always a good plan. Yeah, and, and even when you're not, your plan isn't to ramp up to seven or eight mana or whatever. It, like just having the extra turn of mana basically is mm-hmm. is good enough. Like even if your curve stops at six, you're still probably going to be wanting to play some satyrs if you get them. Yeah. Um. And then for the red deck, you have a lot of disruption in all the blue spells and some of the red burn. Um. Uh, another great tempo card in blue is the uh, Vaporkin. Right. Two mana, two on flying. Uh, a lot of decks take a lot of damage off that card 
before they can deal with it. I think it's a shout out to uh, Jordan with a Welkin turn card, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's the same kind of thing. Can only block flyers, but yeah. it's not blocking people. No, no, no. This that's is an not attack. what it does. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and those two decks are pretty cool. Uh, the the blue red one I think is slightly worse than the blue green one, and it, just from my experience, mostly because like you you can make a bigger monster in green essentially. Yeah, that's true. Right. And we should uh we should mention the Horizon Shimmera, which is the uh-huh. two green blue uncommon. Uh it has flash, it has flying, and it also gains you life when you draw a card. So every turn it's helping you out in life. All right. Yeah, we talked about the life gain and this guy really does gain a pretty decent amount of life. I mean, uh you know, over a few turns, he's gained you a few life. But if you have a draw spell, oh, yeah, I mean, things that's nice. things get <laughs> fast. And I really like him in the other blue-green deck that isn't tempo. So we'll move on, uh, which is blue-green ramp. And blue-green ramp, uh, the the reason you're playing blue in that deck is for the draw spells. Gen- oh, okay. Generally. Cool. Uh, so the six mana draw three, uh, player puts three in the graveyard. The bounty. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So he, that card and the, the one you just mentioned, the, um, the horizon, horizon. Yeah. Shimmer. Uh, yeah. he, they, those, you know, those love each other, those two cards. And in general, um, obviously the ramp, what you're doing when you're ramping is you're playing Satyrs in turn two, hopefully, and then on um, your fourth, your fourth drop is the acolyte. And yeah, you gotta love the acolyte. Yeah. That does all kinds of work. And that one will, yeah, that one will get you a whole lot of mana. And so the turn, like, you can have some really big turns with these big draw spells. You'll draw three cards and then have enough mana to play two more. And it's, uh, it's really, really nice. Um, and then some of the other things that uh, blue can do for you in the ramp uh, area is just kind of slow down the game. Um, we've mentioned the wave crash triton. Going to mention it again. It it slows down the game really nicely. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, if you notice, we've talked about it a lot. It's a pretty good card. <laughs> can I also mention the other most annoying blue card, at least uh, from what I've seen so far? What's that? The six drop Sea God's Revenge. Yes. Now that is a card. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, it, it's the closest thing we have to Overrun, I'd say. I think it's got the most uh, sad stories of uh, of the beatdown. You know, you, you think you got yourself a board and you're coming in, and then poof, three of your guys go back to your hand. Absolutely. And that is a card to play around, remember. Um, if uh, with bestow creatures, like. If you if you have a guy and he's bestowed and then another two guys they bounce three you still at least have one guy that can block so uh, getting getting some bestow on the board when you know your opponent has something like that not a bad idea if you want to survive that turn that is a pro tri- pro tip yes yeah um, but yeah that that card's been been amazing no surprise there um, and, so good <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, and then the other uh, important card in the ramp deck is, you've already mentioned him, Nessian Asp. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just so awesome because he stops the opponent's attacks pretty much across the board on the early turns. There's very little that can get through that thing. Um, and the the uh, the good news is that he also becomes a giant monster. Um, a few turns later, and then he sure does, and things get unstoppable. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's he's in contention for best green common. Uh, I think it's between that and the Seder, just because the Seder obviously not as powerful, but it just plays such an important role in the green deck. I've seen the Asp come around um, in a draft, you know. I mean, it'll come back, and it's like, what is that still doing there? <laughs> yeah. That is a mistake. Those yeah. those should be gone. Um, yeah, that's definitely probably a top top pick in general in the set. I think it's one of the 
probably the best common creature in terms of just raw power. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there's that's the blue-green ramp deck. You can also ramp with red-green. Um, and what you get out of that is you get the Seder Hedonist, which uh, gives you... Oh, that's true. That, yeah. The ritual effect. Um, now, that's more of like the all-in ramp strategy, right? Yeah, yeah. Where you're like, well, I'm going to sack my two hedonists and play my giant monster and then cross my fingers that you don't have the sip of hemlock or whatever. Um, and usually mm-hmm. they don't because there's such little removal. So it's not like the it's that much of a gamble. But um, I, I think that the blue-green ramp is tends to be a little more, uh, you know, it's not as all-in. It's, it's more stable. You you can, you know, if they disrupt you in any way, you can probably get back in it, where red, it, it could could go the other way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'd like to give a little love to the ill-tempered Cyclops as far as a ramp target. Absolutely, yeah. He, he's got trample built in yeah that's it seems so unfair (laughs) yeah there's not a lot of ways to get through um and there's a lot of little guys that can really mess up combat especially in like black um with the you have the death touch bestow guy you have the regenerating skeleton in green you have the scorpion like these little things that can really ruin your day um and they're just these little you know little punks that <laughs> that tend yeah. to block all this huge damage you have. So when you have trample built into something, that's nothing to scoff at. Really important. There seems to be a lot of those every draft too. I know it's a common, but uh I think people will begin to wise up just like the asp. You gotta take that and the Cyclops. They they do work. They're yeah. pretty decent cards. They do big damage and that's what you're trying to do. Um the other thing that red has in like uh, that that the blue green deck doesn't is it has the straight burn to the face which can be very helpful um since there's you know like i say there's there's ways where things can get stalled um but uh actually a card i didn't mention in blue green is the green don't remember the name of it, but he you can spend blue to make him unblockable. He's a 3-2 three, for three. Agent of Horizons. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I, I want a draft with two of those at my disposal. Yeah. And when it just well, I was just gonna say when in a board stall, it's just it does the trick. Yeah, it's huge. Uh I had a blue control deck that was blue green. Um not a very probably not a very common color, although although it worked quite well. I'll talk about the the blue kind of blue X control uh, in a second, but uh, they they killed me. Uh, they dealt 21 damage with their agent of Horizons against Oh, come on. <laughs> Just one. And all it took was the one. <laughs> oh. And it was, it was kind of, it was kind of upsetting. There's just, they, they stopped me at every turn and um, let's, let's actually, let's move on to that deck. Cause it's a pretty interesting one. Sounds like a heartbreak right there. Uh, so that's a, the blue control deck. Um, not really normal to pair it with green. It's probably more of a blue-black deck uh, because that's that's where most of the controlling cards are in those two colors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible to put it in blue-white or something because you might have a little more life gain or, or uh, other things like that. But... Um, but yeah, blue in general is the the important card, and the reason is because of counter spells. Um, Dissolve is really good in this set. I have to agree with that statement. Yeah, I mean we've had these these cancel counterparts many 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 times. Every, every new set we get a new cancel. It's a cancel, but tiny bit better, and it's like well, it's still probably just another cancel. Nobody really cares. Uh, this time around, everything's about a turn slower, so it's acting closer to a counterspell than the normal cancel that it that it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Right, it's got that scry one. Yeah, the scry and, uh... the scry one is nice. <laughs> it's definitely nice, and it's just oh man, the the amount of like big giant plays you can make are there's a lot of them and 
the you know counterspell will will fix it every time. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, and this was the the most interesting version of this deck I've seen. Um, was this blue green one? Uh, but it, the green really was an afterthought. It wasn't super necessary. They just had it for their kill condition and maybe for a few extra defensive cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the crux of the deck was multiple dissolves and uh, multiple mnemonic walls. And so they were able and and some other and some early defensive stuff like the Wave Crash Triton and things like that. And they they played like the. Uh, Ferris Band Centaurs, the 3-7 for 5. Just like these really oh, yeah. defensive slow cards. Sure. And uh, and all they did was, was in the early game, just play these defensive creatures that were really hard to attack through. And then late game, every spell I play was countered. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and, it, and it was to the point where, like, at all times, I knew he had a counter in his hand because he played the Mnemonic Wall and got it back. Yeah, and that's it's the worst. like, oh man, I just like need to draw like multiple bomby cards to win this. Uh, oh man, and it wasn't happening. Uh, <laughs> it's just a very like the counters are super important, uh, and mnemonic wall is is a big reason for that. Uh, now, black is probably the way you want to go uh, with um, adding the uh, the second color because they have like sip of hemlock which mm. mentioned briefly a second ago. That's the only thing that just kills a creature, and it's really nice to have. Uh, six man is a lot, and some decks can't handle that kind of require that mana requirement, but this deck yeah. definitely can, and that's, that's huge. Well, yeah, you're drawing cards, and uh, you're slowing the game down, so getting to turn six isn't as difficult as in other decks. Yeah, you're, you're trying as hard as you can to get there, and then once you're there, you're, you're playing Sip of Hemlock, and then buying it back with mnemonic wall and what have you. And, and yeah, I mean, sometimes you're bouncing your own mnemonic wall with your voyages end to scry and then play it again, get another sip of hemlock. That is extra spice. Yeah. So things can get really out of hand with the card advantage, uh, in the blue deck and it can stop anything because of the counter spells and stuff. So, uh, that's a really fun deck and a really, it's, it's really tough to build right, I think, cause you have to have the right mix of early defense and late kind of card draw or card advantage, kill spells, things like that. Um, the nice thing is cause there's so, such little removal, you actually don't need a ton of win conditions, maybe just a couple. Mm-hmm. And you can tend to get there. Um, like you'll you'll play like the the big Sphinx, the uncommon Sphinx. Um, the three four. Uh, I was thinking of the four four. The oh, he's even better. Yeah, the four four that scries to when he comes in. Yeah. Um. Or Horizon Scholar. Right, right. Right. Or you know some kind of monstrous something. I mean, you can you can go with the. Uh, the sea monster or the gorgon. The gorgon's great, actually. That's a great win condition for this kind of deck because mm-hmm. it also kills a creature. I think the philosophy behind this set is just they wanted people to tell stories about how they got out this really cool creature and then it got monster-sized and it went to town. And so what you do, obviously, besides having a mechanic that allows you to do that, um, you cut back on the removal and it's yeah. like – your things stick around. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the way the drafts have been going for me. It's like whoever gets the biggest threat and your opponent can't do anything about it. <laughs> right. It tends to be monsters fighting monsters and less there you go and less of like monsters dying to spells. Mm-hmm. Which is it's nice. I I've been enjoying it quite a bit. It's a change from uh, some of the more recent sets, you know, and it I welcome it. It's good. It it's kind of made me play magic a little different think about it differently yeah totally um so the next one which is maybe the most broken of the archetypes or just strongest as long as you if you get there i think you might know what i'm about to say (laughs) mono black or, or damn near close to mono black uh running off the power of the gray merchant it's a beautiful thing. 
Yeah, that was my first 3-0 draft a few weeks ago. Three gray merchants and um, lots of ways to bring them back from the graveyard. Yeah, that's the big thing. Uh, it's really nice. Like the uh, and, and the I forget what it's called. The two four centaur that mills you for four or mills some somebody for four, but generally you target yourself because you're playing the cards that can get your guys out of the graveyard. And it's it's something that I didn't really think about when the set was first spoiled that this this two four can actually get you some card advantage by all your re- recursion type that, stuff. Yeah, that's the return centaur. That yeah, when you first look at that, you think oh, it's a mill card, you know. But mill is kind of tough in this set. Yeah, it's not really there. So self mill and getting your your gray merchants in the graveyard to bring back out later. Yep. That is awesome. That is just so much fun. Yeah. And then uh the uh what's the what's the other one called? The uh, four mana one three that makes him discard? Oh yeah, the d- disciple. Yeah, disciple. Yeah, he's Finax. Uh, yeah, that's the one. He's also great. Just super, super good and powers up your gray merchants even further. Um they they tend to, I mean, like we say, all these spells in the set are really, really powerful. So making him discard one of them is really nice. And uh, he'll generally, like by the time you play him, he'll generally be looking at three, maybe even four cards. And uh, they usually can't hide their good stuff at that point. That's true. Yeah. And I mean, I was playing with Ryan online, and he's like playing around uh, this Disciple because the t- the game before he decided he thought about it he was like oh he could have a disciple you know oh well or he could have a big monster so i should cuz he was thinking about just playing out his uh divine verdict and going to zero cards in hand oh and and but it was just kill something really small that was going to trade with one of his small guys anyway Mm-hmm. He was like, "No, nah, no, i'm not going to play around that." And then the opponent of course plays the disciple gets his divine verdict and ends up beating him with his monster that he eventually plays. But Oh, man. <laughs> and so the next <laughs> game, Ryan is spending, like, he's up to five cards in hand, four lands, just refusing to play land with his one spell that's important because he's like, I'm playing around this Disciple, I don't care. And eventually when the Disciple was played, he had five in hand, four lands, and the guy could only look at four cards. <laughs> That is great. Wow. And so, and so he played around it pretty pretty awesomely, but uh, I don't think he won that game either. <laughs> I yeah, I was going to say, that's the like, next level right there. Yeah, I can't remember, but um, it was it was pretty awesome, though. I'm supposed, So the Disciple's really good. Most people aren't going to play around it as as that intensely like, like Ryan did there, but um, yeah, the Mono Black deck. I mean, that's that's really the crux of it, is you're, you're playing... These cards that care about your devotion to black, and those are the most important things in your deck, and you're you're recurring them, and then the rest of your picks are tend to be cards with black mana symbols that stay in play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you get lucky enough to get two or three of the merchants out, it's, oh, yeah, it's... I mean, it, it's like exponential damage. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you you almost never need to attack with this deck. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you're just draining them, draining them. So the the life gain again matters in this matchup because like uh, if if they are killing you with gray merchants, dealing 20 damage is a lot easier than dealing 25. So so gaining some life against this mono black deck is actually pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think people are catching on. The gray merchant train here, and it's it's getting pretty tough to to end up with three of them in your deck at this point. Yeah, yeah, I'm not seeing much coming around anymore. No. The secret's out on that one. Yeah, which is no surprise, and it's it's better that way, in my opinion. So we can have a more balanced format. <laughs> Spread them out. Yeah, we we yeah. I mean, the card's still good even if you have like one or two. Yeah, just one's fine. Yeah, yeah I'll take it. Yeah, sure. Um. So another deck, uh, or the the last two decks I think I want to talk about are both black decks, um, and they tend to do close to the same thing. Um, and the first one is the black-white deck. Uh, now this deck is 
definitely controlling. Um, and uh, I was I was actually talking to Ryan about this deck, and I was asking what you would call it, and he said. I feel like you just call it Orzov because really it's doing the same thing that the Orzov deck did in um, Gate Crash, which is just grinding out the slow exponential like drains and things like that. I mean, it uses Gray Merchant just like the Mono Black, but it also has other like life gain spells in White and other. Um, it has that uh, that one four that drains for one when you pay three. Yeah, I was just going to say, the Scholar of Atheros. Yeah, and that card is not that bad. I mean, you you can, when the game gets to a board stall, I mean, draining like a couple times a turn is, you know, it adds up and, and you get there pretty pretty quickly, actually. Um, and then, yeah, it's it's just like kind of a really grindy deck. Uh, it uses the, the recursion just like the mono black deck does. Um, basically, the white's in there to slow the game down, uh, which it, it does a pretty decent job of, and, and also to gain some more life with the idolons or the um, the centaurs that gain for enchantments in play, those mm-hmm. types of things. Yeah, it's been they're they're pretty nice. Um, I gotta say, the sentry uh, of the underworld's probably an all star. Yeah, that's the three three flyer with vigilance. Yeah, for sure. He's uh, he's an uncommon though, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. and you can also uh, regenerate him, so he's just blocking yeah. everything. Yeah, he'll he's definitely awesome. If you if you see one of those, you're you're pretty stoked. Um, now the other deck that's kind of similar is the black green version of this deck, um, and what this one's all about is just the value. Uh, the Farika's Mender is the black green uncommon. Um, Love that guy. And, yeah. And that card the, is just awesome. The Gorgon. Yeah. Really yeah. good. Doesn't I mean, lie. everything in the set is either a creature or an enchantment the way they've got it going. So right. you're always going to get something back. Right. And the black green deck is really, uh, when you're drafting it, I like drafting this deck because it can go in a few different directions. You know, it can, can be more ramp, like more ramp associated with heavier green. So you, and you can care more about devotion to green, you know, with your acolytes or the um, the centaur that gains you life. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are, those are both really nice. Or you can move more devotion to black and go gray merchant and and things like that, and just have the green in there for some extra beef and some extra um, get like the freakus mender in there for some more recursion and stuff. Uh, yeah, and this and this deck is pretty much always going to be a slow deck, um, but it's it's pretty like it i think it gets maybe the most value out of your cards than almost any other deck it also has a, a ton of monstrous cards hmm. um these these this color combo has like a, a ton of good monstrous cards i should say okay um and it's uh it's been it's yeah i've i've enjoyed black green um and let's think here. Is that something that you'll try to force in a draft or you'll just no, kind of go with what's playing or I don't force it, but I think that it's under drafted. Okay. Um so I might go that direction just cuz I think the uh I think green in general is is under drafted, which I I think it might be the best color or it's at least the color that pairs the best with any other color, except maybe white, which it has a little bit of an identity crisis in white. It doesn't really know what it wants to do. Mm. Um, there is kind of a green-white deck. I was thinking about talking about it, but it isn't. It hasn't been so good, so I'm not sure. But um, really, the basis of it is to take every bestow creature you see in green and white. So, hmm. so you get the Idolin, you get the, uh, God, the, I can't remember, the Reach guy, the 2 2. You, oh, yeah. You get the Emissary. Yeah, the Emissary. Or, and you get the Emiss, you get the 3 threes, and both the, both the white and the green Emissary are the, the ones that give, the one gives trample, and the other taps a 
blockering down. down I'm know? a I'm a big emissary fan. Yeah, yeah, those two are really good emissaries. Uh, and then you get um, the uh, vigilant bestow, and there's a lot of um, yeah, there's basically a lot of bestow in those two colors, and it makes it so you can you can draft a deck that either is this kind of fast deck where you play a lot of cheap stuff and, and get through with maybe some extra pump spells and stuff, or mm. you play the, like, play one creature and pu- put everything on him, and then he becomes this giant scary monster. They eventually kill it, and you get, and all of a sudden you get an army of stuff in front. <laughs> they all fall off. And yeah, and then you can... Continue the battle. Yeah, and you start enchanting one of those guys, and, and yeah, it's it's... <laughs> Like, if you can get enough Bestow, I think that that deck can be pretty good. But um, the Bestow creatures tend to go early. Uh, they're all, all every... I, is every single Bestow card good? I think so. And and so they, they all are going to be picked up by anybody playing green or white, or whatever your color may be if, if you're looking for Bestow stuff. Yeah, they're all pretty much splashable. I mean, I'm looking at a green black deck that I played last Friday, and uh, yeah, it did work. You mentioned the word value, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what bestows all about. Make totally. a current creature better, and then when it leaves, you get another creature. So right, right, yeah, it's nice. Um, but yeah, so uh, is there, did we miss any archetypes that you were thinking of? No, you you went through the the few that I had, and. Uh, had a couple more. That was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there's probably some others out there that maybe it's the listeners are like, why the hell didn't you talk about this? Sorry, <laughs> I, I, I've only drafted this set, you know, a handful of times. I, it's still early in the season. Yeah, I don't have them all down, um, but I am I'm trying to keep my eye out for the best options and the best things to be doing in the set. Um, it's, I think my favorite combo has been blue-green. Because uh, I like okay. to play big monsters and I like to draw cards. Yes. <laughs> uh, what about you? What's been your favorite? Uh, I like the con- more of the controlish. Um, yeah. So the blue black you mentioned. Yeah. It's got it's got the bounce with the voyage and the grip. Yeah. It's got removal with the whip and the cure mm-hmm. and the hemlock, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just a lot of fun. If you can get a gray merchant in there too, oh, more power yeah. to you. Yeah. Heck yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, so that's been our archetype roundup. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think we did an all right job. Hopefully you don't have too many questions. If you do, you can send us an email. Our email is eastwestdraftcast at gmail.com. You can visit us on Facebook. Uh, just search up East West Draftcast. Give us a like. Get us some, I don't know more followers or something that'd be great and uh we're on twitter at ew draftcast is greg uh and he posts a lot i am at jeff ewdc i almost never post (laughs) (laughs) uh and and john is uh at bupkis how do you spell that that's with two k's so b-u-p-k-k-i-s yeah and and john's on there quite quite a bit too uh He'll have some nice conversations with Greg on there and stuff, talking about magic and other things. Uh, give him a follow. And we uh, are eastwestdraftcast.com. You can get the podcast there or get it on MTG Cast or uh, download it from iTunes or whatever you do. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's it, man. Uh, what do you any last words for the listeners on uh, little John Johnology? What do you on the on the wonderful world of Theros? Yeah, great got... place to visit. I don't know if I want to live there, <laughs> <laughs> but all this talk about magic. I mean, I just want to get online and and draft some more. So I this know. is great. Yeah, this is this is what happens after every podcast. Is I'm thinking, oh man. I just want to play magic now. (laughs) Um, But uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. This was great. Yeah. Draftcast out. When the snow started falling, we were stuck out.